Each and every day, we practice our identities in physical reality through our conversations in both public and private spaces. We're able to figure out what we think, what we feel, what we believe, what we don't believe. Just from talking to people, I can give you a take, like a uh, cottage cheese should be served hot, and what? you can shoot that down and I'll reconsider my opinion um, <laughs> on most things. That I won't budge on. But how do we change our opinions um, and form our identities through conversations online? Kim, any ideas? I don't know if I have any ideas about how to go about this, but I I am very fascinated in how other people are going about this, especially given, like, there's a lot of platforms. We have the big ones, obviously, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. We also have, like, the private messaging apps, like WhatsApp. Um, and then we have these, like, online community forums that are more, like, Reddit, etc. Right. And then... There's also this really interesting one that's not exactly new to the digital space, but it is new to me. So my partner is a very big sneakerhead, a sneaker savant, if you will. Mm-hmm. I will. And they have a um, this online community that they participate in, and it's through this platform called Discord. Yeah, so I've heard of Discord. I've actually used Discord um, to trade for... Pokemon that I can't find (laughs) in my own journeys in Pokemon games. Mm -hmm. Um, But Discord is really interesting because like most of all of these other platforms you're talking about, it imposes kind of like how we define our identities through conversation in real life. Um, That's basically what we're doing on conversational-based platforms like Discord. You're just having a conversation. to try to figure out your thoughts, feelings, ideas, blah, 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 blah. But in Discord and other platforms like it, there's a new element that we don't have to consider as much um, in real life, in physical reality. Which is? Content moderators Mm -hmm. or like a person who has authority over the content in a space. I mean, you kind of actually do have to deal with that in some areas, Um, like if we were kindergartners, um, and we said, fuck the police, (laughs) we would get sent to the principal's office probably. Yeah. Um, or if we want to cut out the last example that I just said, for example, if we were in school and said something like in, in like grade school, we couldn't say whatever we wanted because we have like a principal or teacher moderating our content. And discipline disciplining us for our actions right so how does like how does that content moderation scheme happen how does content moderation work in a conversationally based platform like discord and i'm still a little bit confused as to what discord is and who uses it um, and why it even matters so I think we should ask our resident Discord expert slash producer, researcher, Chelsea Sanchez. Hey, Chelsea. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? 
pretty good. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Chelsea um, is technically always with us, but she's usually, usually the, like behind the scenes. Uh, the scenes, yeah. other side of this glass wall that we <laughs> share. <laughs> okay, so now that we have you in the booth, in the recording studio, making hits, just kidding, making <laughs> podcast hits. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we love banter. We do. Um, so tell us a bit about discord like give us a crash course on discord and specifically how you use it yeah absolutely so discord is an online chat platform it's not really that new it's about four years old but it's really blown up recently and i think you're going to see a lot more of it pretty soon uh it started out as a platform designed for people to talk about video games with other gamers so you know you can log into like the fortnite discord server and you can talk to people about like fortnite or Grand Theft Auto or, you know, any of these games. Um, But it's becoming more and more popular with a lot of different groups now. So, for instance, I have a cookbook club that I'm a part of, and we use our Discord server to talk about happy hours, you know, restaurants we want to try out, um, what recipes we want to try out for the next cookbook club meeting, stuff like that. So there's definitely been a shift away from um, specifically gaming towards kind of larger kind of personal interest uh, networking within this, uh, you know, like online chat platform. So like architecturally, it sounds like a like public form of Slack. Is that an yeah. accurate way? That's a really good way to describe it. Uh, yeah, I would totally agree with that. It's a lot of the functionality is similar to Slack, but, you know, if you are a fan of, you know, like a video game, you can just join that server if it's public and then you can just chat with people the way you would in slack so and it's also seems to be drawing people together based on like common like interests so it does sound to me like it has some sort of roots in reddit kind of like a mashup between reddit and slack um but with that like social component i did have a question so mm-hmm. let's say i wanted to join uh, a chat group a dis- on, sh- on discord about like cyber feminism or sneakers mm. or something like that. Um, would I have to request to join? Is there some sort of like gatekeeper type thing um, in order to like join a group? That's a really good question. Some Discord servers are totally public and you can just type in the name of the server and you're in. A couple are private. Uh, and then there are others that you have to be verified in order to be accepted into the server. So it really just depends on a case by case basis. So I'm assuming that discord it sounds really fun it sounds um sweet innocent it's bringing online communities together um but have you seen examples of uh not so great stories yes i i have heard of some not so great stories uh i think one kind of you know particularity about something like discord is that human people have to actually moderate the content that's being posted in these servers, right? Because it's live, you know, you can't really use like a, um, an algorithm the way you could with like a, you know, like Facebook or something to moderate a lot of that content. So people have to do that. And people also have to dictate the rules around what is allowed in each server. So uh, I have a friend, uh, his name is Henry. He's a game developer and he moderates his video games Discord server. And he has had a lot of experience both with moderating content that, you know, is not, you know, deemed acceptable on his Discord server, but also with establishing rules for a Discord server and figuring out how to really, like, you know, work with the community 
within that Discord server in order to figure out like what's going to work best for creating a you know like a healthy, vibrant community online. We have Chelsea's friend Henry in studio right now. Henry, how are you? Who are you? What do you do? I'm doing fine. Um, I am a indie game developer, specifically a game programmer for a survival simulation game called Saurian for computers. It's a very rigorously researched science-based game about being a dinosaur, living the life of a dinosaur from being a hatchling until old age. And the whole point of the game is to try and get people familiar with modern reconstructions of dinosaurs and modern theories about their behavior because most dinosaur media available at this moment is very inaccurate and based on outdated conception, either outdated conceptions or straight up fabricated conceptions about their behavior that's supposed to make them more monster-like. And we want it to be an option for people who want to see more realistic stuff. Very awesome. So in addition to developing this game, you're also, you also moderate the Discord server about this game. Yes. Um, tell us a bit about how you think a Discord server is important to you as a game developer. At this point, for a lot of games, it's basically indispensable. Um, just because there are so many users on Discord, it's become a really deeply entrenched part of gamer culture. Um, and it's... We originally started using it when, when we had a choice, back when we were using Skype, and we hated Skype, so we wanted to find an alternative. And Slack and Discord were both relatively new at the time. And we tried out Slack, but it didn't have voice call functionality. So that's actually the main reason that we chose Discord. But also the reason for the Discord is that we could have a really easy public-facing channel. We could have our development channels private and then our PR channels public. Um, so we could start building a community in the same place where we did our development, which in a lot of ways is convenient. In a lot of ways, there are definitely pitfalls to it. Uh, it can be really weird to kind of need to work in the same space where you're interacting with fans and doing PR. And it can take a kind of strange mental toll. Yeah, how um, how did you come up with the content moderation strategy for the public-facing side of your Discord server? So part of that was us as a team you know, coming together and deciding we want to have an actively moderated community. We don't want to allow we're not going to be free speech extremists about this. We don't want to allow bigotry. We don't want to allow, you know, people to be attacking other people openly and uh, slandering other games and stuff in our Discord. We, we want to try to avoid a toxic community. Um, but a, a large part of it, I don't want to make it seem like so much of it was us. A large part of it was we had volunteers who just were really into the project and they wanted to help out. Um, this Some of them came from Kickstarter, some of them came from before Kickstarter, some of them came from after the Discord was set up, but there were people who just said they really wanted to help and they shared our values, and they are largely autonomous at this point. Um, we, we try to make a point to let them make their own decisions on a lot of the stuff and how they moderate it, because you know they're the ones giving their time, and it's really, really cool of them. They do a really good job. So they have come up with a lot of the rules for moderation themselves and just kind of run it by us and we've signed off on it. Okay, that's fascinating. I didn't know that you guys had that structure. I read the um, the guidelines that... Yep, those were all written by volunteer moderators. Wow. And we just kind of read over them and said, yeah, this is cool. But that was all them. Okay, so how does the strategy of allowing um, the users of the Discord server to create and kind of govern themselves play out? Well, it's not just any users. It's it's a handful of ones that we pick. And, um, you know, we picked kind of the first ones, but now 
if a new person wants to join, we'll often just say like, hey, mods, if this person wants to be a moderator, what do you think? And they have a really good sense on the pulse of the community, so they often, I think, have the best judgment about who to bring on. So if we bring on new people, it's it's by them. Uh, it, the group of mods, I think, that are active, it's probably around five of them. Um, but yeah, they it, it's not like just everyone creates the rules. Um, it's it's this handful of people that we've chosen and who have chosen themselves. Do you find that the like the moderators um, versus the community, like obviously there's like this not tension inherent, but there's tension inherent. Oh, there is, um, yeah. To like authority figures telling people what they can and can't say. So like the lines of like, oh, did this person actually flame me or... Yes, like... yes, there's... Oh, man, I have a lot to say about this. Uh, there is a lot of stuff. And I think it's really easiest to contrast it with this other game, which I'm not going to mention by name. And I'm going to say some negative stuff about, I think, the way that they run things, but I don't have negative feelings towards the game. I'm friends with multiple people on the team. I think they're doing a really cool game. They just have a different philosophy to content moderation than they do. It's actually kind of diametrically opposed to what we do. And I think that while ours hasn't been perfect, I think it's much more desirable, uh, much more desirable result than what they have. Um, so we have a pretty strict content moderation policy. We, ha we don't allow... Uh, I mean, there's obvious things like gore and porn and stuff we don't allow. But then also bigotry, harassment. Um, we put in our rules just general toxic behavior, which is kind of a controversial sticking point because that's a subjective thing. And if someone doesn't agree with us that, you know, they've been banned for toxic behavior, then they often have a big chip on their shoulder. And we've been harassed by, like, roving groups of people who've been banned on our server and made alt accounts and come back to harass us and stuff because they disagreed that you know, them calling another user a retard was toxic behavior. Um, stuff like that. And this other server, on the other hand, they do none of that. They, they, it's pretty much laissez-faire. Like, they, I think they have, they have some amount, but it is very, very free speech server. And as a result, when, you, when I, I had to leave the server because it was so toxic, it's full of, you know, racial slurs and people just being really toxic about our game and other games and our user base and posting crusader memes and other kind of alt-right pipeline type of stuff that is completely unmoderated because, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with how the alt-right pipeline works, but it works with them, you know, taking things that are not explicitly alt-right but that are clearly culturally uh, associated with it and then have plausible deniability. Also stuff like Pepe the Frog, mm -hmm. we're pretty strict about that, and we get shit for that because we're like, it's just Pepe the Frog, you know, what's wrong with Pepe the Frog? And yeah. it's... A really, it can be hard to tell because sometimes it's not a bad faith argument. Sometimes it's genuinely people who had no idea because most of these people, uh, I don't want to say most of them, a lot of them are completely disconnected from politics. They just like dinosaurs and monsters and stuff. So mm -hmm. when we tell them about this, they're just like, what are you talking about? Like, th that isn't a thing. And it's like, yeah, he, he kind of is, but it can be hard to explain that. Um... Yeah, so that, that's a whole thing. We've been raided by 4chan before because of, uh, you know, SJW stuff, like us banning people who say just really openly misogynistic stuff, and then 4chan gets a hold of it. Or they hear that we ban people for posting, like, Pepe and, like, NPC memes and stuff, and those kind of alt-right pipeline type stuff. And, yeah, um, they're really nasty. It's really nasty when that happens. Luckily, not that many times.
I was actually going to ask you about the, um, now that you mentioned like the misogynistic comments, like, uh, do you kind of have a sense if you can share like maybe like the demographic for your game? Yeah. And, and if that has any effect on like the makeup of people who are on the chat and stuff. Yeah. I don't know about when it comes to ethnicity, I assume it's largely young white men though. Um, and a lot of them are on the autism spectrum, which also kind of can complicate some of these really subjective social stuff, because some of these things require having a lot of social awareness and context for the things that you're saying, and a lot of times we've got these, it's just a combination, like a perfect storm, like these kids who get exposed to memes on the internet, and they don't really understand the social context because they're young, and also because being on the autism spectrum it makes it a lot harder for them to pick up on that stuff. So... It, it can be really tricky sometimes dealing with these people and being like, who is being a bad faith actor here? Who's like an alt-right troll pretending to not know this because that's one of their strategies versus who is actually just a kid here who genuinely has no idea that, you know, they accidentally just started a gas fire by saying, why can't I say white pride if they can say black pride? You know, stuff like that. And that particular one I just brought up, I think we handled really well. There was a kid who was exactly this, you know, a kid who's bullied a lot, really isolated, doesn't really follow politics at all, just really loves dinosaurs, and gets bullied a lot by some of the black kids at his school who make fun of him for being white. And so he, you know, said one of the, he said that once. He said, why can't I say white pride if they can say black pride? And it was like a really sensitive thing because, mm -hmm. you know, there was a dog pile that was about to start. And um, I think that was one of the cases where I actually took him aside and, and talked to him individually about it, you know, sent him the Wikipedia article for white pride to be like, this is a thing that you don't want to be associated with. Um, yeah, I actually keep in personal touch with that particular kid. I think, he, yeah, it's, it's rough because like he had no intention of doing that, but also I think that him saying that was showing that he was really susceptible to that type of propaganda. Yeah. Um, but he was a good kid. He was just a good kid that was really completely oblivious to what was going on and, you know, just had a lot of experiences with bullying and... Yeah, it's, it's complicated. So I think that's been one of our pitfalls sometimes is that sometimes we assume bad faith just because uh, bad faith people are so awful and there's a lot of them. But a lot of times it really is just kids who have no idea what they just said or what the significance is and the connotations and stuff like that. Yeah, so it sounds like there's some sort of... Um, pro like, it sounds like you don't just deliver you and the mods don't deliver these rulings out like oh you said x thing so you're banned or like you have like um a hold on your i don't know what a temporary ban would be called but it sounds we call like them a mute where we we um we block them from speaking but we don't kick them out of the server okay like it sounds like you obviously have conversation with the person mm -hmm. before um is that always you always have a conversation or it depends. We usually do, even in cases where it seems like really obvious bad faith, we'll say like, hey, that's not allowed here, knock it off. And it's usually pretty clear when it's a troll, because often if it's a good faith person, they will say, oh, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know. Or, um, or like, hey, why is that a problem? But also, you know, they'll be receptive to listening to our arguments about why that's not something we want here. While the trolls will, it, it's it's usually pretty clear when the trolls are trolling after you call them out the first time, and then it's a pretty easy decision. Um, but not always. Sometimes they'll they'll feign ignorance, and sometimes they can be pretty convincing with it, and then come back a few months later, stirring the pot and causing trouble and stuff. Mm. It's it, never have a hundred percent success rate with making these calls. Mm. Wow. I'm sure that sometimes we've misjudged someone who could have been reached and 
convinced to change their behavior as a troll too. Like it's 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 not an exact science. Yeah. Can you um, give like a vague example of maybe like one of those like worst case scenario kind of situations? I mean, the worst case scenario is stuff like when 4chan raids us and starts coming in with racial slurs, Hal Hitler, uh, posting images of people being lynched and stuff. Like, I think that's the worst case. Um, and then that's just sustained. And, and we're on kind of high alert for like a whole day, usually around then, knowing that these people could be flooding in at any moment as soon as they see these 4chan posts where people are putting our server and whatnot. I think that's the worst case scenario. Um, but it's usually not that bad. It's usually people coming, I think oftentimes coming from that other less moderated server where they coordinate being like, hey, let's go bother this user base. And because their mods, actually one of our mods used to work for them and quit their team because they wouldn't allow them to moderate as much as they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, they Again, like very, very different philosophy as to how to moderate their content. But yeah, I think we get probably a lot from people trash talking us in that server and then just being like, hey, let's go bother them and coming from there. That's that's the more common thing. Worst case though is 4chan. Okay. So you all, it's solely um, human moderation? There's no, like, automated moderation happening to stop, like... We do have an, we have an auto bot that, uh, that catches it when people um, say, you know, racial slurs and stuff. And that's often actually a really useful way because it, it filters them from the server and then it allows us to see, oh, someone's trying to say the N-word over and over. We should, we should probably get that person out of here. Mm-hmm. Um... We did do one decision, which was largely as a joke, partially because I don't know if you're familiar with the word keck. Mm-hmm. No, I'm it's, not. Do you want to explain just in case? I think this is a thing that we might have made a bad decision with. We banned it largely out of a joke because there was one user that just said it all the time and we were kind of teasing him. But it's also kind of associated with the alt-right. Like the alt-right use like this term, like the, the country of keck in Kekistan as kind of a a proxy rallying cry for their subculture. They've got, like, this kind of pseudo-Nazi flag that has the 4chan logo around it, which is, like, the flag of Keck. So it's kind of a dog whistle for them, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think 80% we banned it because we were just messing with this kid, but also, we were, like, it's kind of gross to see people saying this. And people had a major persecution complex ab- uh, about it. People still come to us because they're like, these fascists are destroying our free speech. We can't say Keck. And we're like, guys, chill out. <laughs> And I, I asked the mods <laughs> if we could maybe unban it. And they're just like, at this point, we're just kind of feeling vindictive about it. Like, <laughs> these assholes are being so stupid about this. Um, but, yeah, an- another one that's been controversial is thought. We don't like it when people say that. Um, and people are like, oh, come on. Everyone says thought. And like, it's a pretty kind of disrespectful word. We don't want people calling women it. Again, it's one of those things where uh, that was a subjective decision that we made that a bunch of people didn't agree with. Most of them respect it, though. Um, I, I don't want to make it seem like we get tons of pushback. There was one time where someone joined the server with a Confederate flag as their profile picture, and I just asked them, I said, hey, can you change that? And they said, yeah, it's it, but this is just kind of associated with my heritage. And I say, I understand that's where you're coming from, but for other people, they see it as kind of a, a symbol of a threat to their existence. And they said, okay, that's fair. So they changed their profile picture, and they're still a really active user in the community and are really respectful of our content moderation. In fact, I think they're a Trump supporter, but they also help us deal with these right-wing trolls when they come in because they say, you know, these people suck and they don't, I, I, I don't agree with what they're doing. So, This whole interview with Henry, um, first of all, I learned a lot about the platform, about 
um, this alt-right pipeline and like the radicalization of ideologies online, basically. Um, and it also brings up a lot of questions for me about like these nuanced gray areas, human bias, power dynamics. So who gets to regulate whom? And then, of course, the biggest and most contentious talking point for content moderation discussions, to me, seems like it's about free speech. Right. Yeah. And Discord is interesting because Discord, like anyone can start a Discord server. Um, and these Discord servers, the people who own the Discord servers can choose moderators to enforce like their own community guidelines. Kind of like Henry was saying, they came up with their own community guidelines and they follow those. Um, so if somebody doesn't like one server's community guidelines on Discord, they can just go to another. Um, Discord also, though, has its overarching, overarching <laughs> um, community guidelines that it enforces. And that's where like um, the societal tensions come into play. Well, we've reached that point in our podcast where, for those listeners who didn't want to hear us being dumb for 20 minutes... TLDL. Too long. Don't listen. Number one. People should be sweet and patient and kind online. Number two. Trolls aren't born. They're created unless they're bots, which means they can be stopped. And number three. We, as in digital platform creators and users, are still learning and shaping our values around how to use them. And four. Content moderation is... And I cannot stress this enough. So hard. All right. So that's that's it. That's the show. Um, we'd like to thank you for listening. Our lovely producer, Anna Hoffman. Our researcher, Chelsea Sanchez. And our audio producer, editor, um, master mm. of sound, Isumra. Thank you all. You make our podcast what it is. <laughs> Thank you to the rest of our Nova's team. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us at Nova's Journal on all platforms. Bye! Bye. <laughs>